Hey guys, welcome back to another Canine Performance Podcast episode where it is our mission to help you live a better life with your dog, guaranteed. I'm your host, Natalie Dobkins, and for today's podcast episode, I am very, very excited because it's going to be a little different than most of our podcast episodes. I have a guest in the studio with me today, so it's going to be more of a conversational interview sort of podcast episode, but I would like to introduce my co-host for this uh, podcast episode. His name is Matt Fiala. Uh, Matt, go ahead and say hello to our listeners here. Hello, Natalie. Thank you for having me on. Very excited for this. Awesome. I'm also very excited. So, uh, Matt, to kind of kick things off a little bit, uh, to give a little bit of perspective, Matt is going to be um, our new canine performance coach. Very excited for him to start taking on a lot more dogs. And I thought this would be a really good introduction for our listeners and supporters here on the podcast to kind of get to know you a little bit more. So if you want to maybe give a little bit of background on yourself of... uh, who is Matt Fiala? Where did he come from? Tell us about you. Who are you? Absolutely. Well, I'm from Colorado. Uh, moved around a lot during my childhood. I've always had dogs, though. Always been a big fan of dogs. Um, never really was into training, um, but I grew up. I moved around, and um, I had German Shepherds um, primor- primarily, and so those were the dogs that yeah. kind of got interested in and police canines and stuff like that is really what kind of drove me towards f- the like parents in the military or anything like that uh, my or dad was oh, dad brothers was, okay. um yep had a lot of family in the military yeah yep. same my dad's in the air force and then all my brothers were like in the air force or the army or something like that so very familiar uh with the army moving life <laughs> yep. so that is awesome um i think that that's a very common thing with dog trainers who just like grew up having dogs and yeah. so just kind of get used to them except for for me I don't know how it was for you and like other dog trainers were like yeah I love dogs growing up and for me I had a yellow lab funny enough looks almost exactly like Crosby mm-hmm. um and I was terrified of dogs I was attacked by a Rottweiler when I was like little and we were sledding and he like came after us um and my yellow lab growing up I was like so petrified of him had him mm. for like several months it was probably like six or eight months or something like that wouldn't go near that dog at all i was like no i hate this dog ended up being my best friend growing what was up the turning point um like i think it was just one of those things of just like over time you're just like oh okay nothing bad has happened you know like when you have like a shy or timid or fearful dog and they're mm-hmm. in a situation and it happens for long enough of like nothing bad happens so you're just kind of like okay this isn't like terrible so i think Absolutely. that's kind of sort of ish what happens okay so you moved around a lot growing up as a kid you grew up with dogs you lived in Colorado but you moved around a lot so mm-hmm. how does one get into dog training tell us your story how what was the journey and the emergence of the trainer that we see before us today well um, when I moved back to Colorado after I graduated high school um, I wanted a dog Um, So I was looking around for different breeds. Uh, I grew up with German Shepherds, so that's kind of something that I wanted to stay on that path. Um, And then I kind of found out. Yeah, Yeah. and I found out about Belgian Malinois. Um, So I went to a breeder out in Colorado that uh, bred Belgian Malinois German Shepherd mixes that were bred for like a pet family, active family dog, um, which was great for what I needed. I was just kind of wanting like a dog that could be I could go out with on weekends, do stuff like that, but not be too heavily into having to take care of and manage a crazy little dog. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> so you did a little bit of research. You yes. kind of knew what you wanted. Yes. All right. And I went and got this dog. Um, it was great. 
about a year and a half into it, I kind of found out about dog sports and I got very interested into that. What was your first like dog sports, like your introduction? Like for me, it was, it was PSA. Like I saw PSA and I was like, oh my gosh, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. Was it yes, the same for I you? Had, I didn't even know about PSA at that point. Okay. I was sawing uh, some Schutzen videos oh. and some um, IPO where they were going on the sleeve and seeing some courage tests where dogs are running 100 yards from the guy that's going to catch them and that really drew my interest okay um, so I wanted to get my dog into that because oh they look similar so my dog <laughs> must be able to do it um, so I took it to a guy who was uh, well known in the area for Schutzen and he uh, tested my dog and after about five ten seconds was like yeah this dog is definitely not cut out for it did that just crush you were you just like yes, oh my god no so. I was like and that's a short amount of time to yeah look at a dog and be able to tell but in, in retrospect it was it like pretty legit when he you was were like very on he was point, very on point. on point okay yes my dog definitely couldn't do any i was effect. gonna laugh really hard if like your your next journey into what i know that you're you're going to do next um if you look back in hindsight and be like yeah that guy was a total quack my dog would have been fine at the time but yeah. I Unfortunately, <laughs> that's not the case. He was right. Yeah. Okay, so you want to get into dog sports. Turns out the dog that you currently have, even though they look similar, mm -hmm. couldn't do Could it. Could not do it at so. all. So I um, researched some more and kind of was going to go for more of the Belgian Mound while that's not a mix. Um, and so I was doing some more research, seeing that the majority of the working dogs come from Europe, um, KNPV background. And so... I um, looked online a little bit more, did some research, talked to a breeder, and he recommended me to another breeder. Um, and I went through them, and this dog was imported from Holland, um, cane v PV background. What does that mean, cane PV? Cane PV is the sport in um, Holland, and that is uh, where they kind of test dogs to go onto the police force. Okay. So if you pass your dog through um, cane PV1, you can put your dog in the police force right after that in Europe. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Yes. Good so, um, genetics then. Yeah. And so um, I got this dog, had um, the person help pick it out that went to a dog school. So I was making sure that this dog would be able to kind of do everything I needed. Realized about a month and a half later that this dog is insane <laughs> and there will be no way that I can handle this. Uh, working at a job and uh, just having the time at evenings. Were they just really energetic or like what were some of the things that was going on that you were like, whoa, this is too much? So I actually, um, right as I got him, I started taking him to puppy daycares and oh. like puppy uh, play dates. And Good idea, bad idea. Bad idea. Bad idea. In idea. retrospect, it was a um, purely positive place. And so when my dog would pretty much ignore all of the other dogs, which is a very Belgian Malinois trait. Um, but when like ever a dog would come and like get on top of my dog or like play a little bit too much for my dog, uh, he would have them by the throats on the <laughs> ground and as a little puppy. Yes. Okay. As a little puppy. Yeah. And, um, their idea of fixing the issue is just to put him behind a little gate mm -hmm. so he can watch the other dogs play. And, yeah. um, when he calms down a little bit, let him out. Yeah. That ended up creating barrier aggression issues. <laughs> so not the best idea yeah. taking him there, but I learned a lot from it and realized that I'm either going to have to spend thousands on training him or I'm going to have to learn it myself. So. so which one happened? Was it both? We, we obviously know you ended up being a trainer. So, so I had um, two roommates that 
both of them actually got a dog from the um, same litter as my German Shepherd Malinois. Um, and they spent like thousands on training for mm -hmm. their dogs. But with um, my German Shepherd Malinois, I didn't uh, spend any money on training and she was actually more well behaved than both of their dogs. Oh. Um, so that's kind of where I was like, well, maybe I can do this myself. And yeah. so I was like, I kind of want to learn more about it. Yeah. And um, I remembered that the person that I helped pick me out, the dog, he went to a school called Tom Rose. And so that's kind of where I was like, must start there. Who so that's where you started. Doing. You're just like, I'm not going to spend money on training. I'm just going to, if I'm going to train this dog, I'm just going to do it myself. So that's, Absolutely. that's how you got into it. So tell us a little bit more about Tom Rose, because right now, currently you're at Tar Heel Canine. Yes. So you have quite a bit of, uh, dog schooling experience underneath your belt so with tom rose for those of you out there listening there's several different programs that you can go through right there's just like yes. a regular pet obedience um, I'm, I'm not a, sure about uh, all of them but they have a professionals program a master's program a scholar program and then they have a service dog program yeah um, so you can kind of in the professionals and masters you kind of get the base of all of the aspects of training uh, minus service dogs if you want to learn about the service dogs, you'd have to take that yeah. program. And with your uh, crazy dog that you now currently have imported from Holland, which sort of education route did you go through? With I Tom went Rose? through the professionals. Mm -hmm. And then um, during my class, they had a extended professionals, which would have been the masters. Mm -hmm. um, and I did that as well, which was another two months with the Tom Rose himself. Uh, wow. He came back and did the two months. So, so you actually got to meet Tom Rose himself? Yes, he's oh, uh, cool. the one who tested my IPO routine and yeah. uh, judged that, which he's an actual uh, judge for Schutzend back in the day. So it was nice to kind of have cool. someone who's actually judged it. Yeah, judging definitely. My, yeah. So when you go through school, because I think a lot of our listeners here have a deep interest in just dog training itself, but also potentially becoming a dog trainer. So um, and for me, being in the dog industry, I don't really see a lot of posts in education when it comes to when you go to a dog training school, you can expect XYZ, um, you know, all the different things that you'll learn. So when you go to a school like Tom Rose, what are some things that someone could expect to learn while you are there? You're not just going to learn how to train dogs in basic obedience, but you're also going to learn a variety of different skills. So you want to give some insight into kind of what school looks like for the months that you're there? Absolutely. So while I was there, I was lucky enough to have two very, very amazing instructors. Uh, one of them is, if you're interested or familiar in PSA, one of them was a national decoy um, last year. Uh, his name is Jeremy Sikupolch. And another teacher was uh, Dave Van Garden, who's very uh, well known in the Schutzen. So I was very lucky to have those two as my instructors uh, because under them, it's, it's really who you're learning from. Yeah. Uh, is how you kind of base yourself and base your trade skill. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you can learn the wrong way of almost anything, but when you're working with live animals um, and making kind of self habits of how you train and your techniques, it's very hard to kind of redo those once you kind of learn the wrong way. A hundred percent. So, um, yeah, it was good to learn from them. When I, when I was there, we had two dog programs, so I had to actually get another dog. Um, because my German Shepherd just wasn't really cut out to do that sort of work. Um, so I had to get another dog. Um, so I got a Dutch Shepherd, 
and I took both of those dogs through. Um, there was a lot of obedience programs throughout them. We had to do the IPO, which is IGP Schutzen. Um, it's called IGP now, but we could just call it Sleeve Sports because <laughs> they're changing names every year. <laughs> I always get confused with that because, like, I'm not integrated into that dog sport at all. So I am I am aware of the names and I'm vaguely aware of, like, what the dog sport looks like. But, like, I can't match up the names all the time. So people are like, you know, all they're changing every year. All, so. all the stuff. So yeah. there's uh, basic obedience. There's we'll call it sleeve sports. Yep. Um, there and then what else were some of the different things that you learned? Um, so we had to do tracking, uh, detection, and um, a few other scent work programs without um, like car searches, garage searches, uh, water retrieves, which is um, like bird dog working and uh, teaching a dog a retrieve. Um, but we had to do that with both of our dogs. So we were the last class that had to do two dogs. Um, so that sounds like a lot of work. Just yes. one dog enough. Yes. But then you have two. And you have to get them from pretty young, right? Like you optimally, you want them from young puppies-ish. Right? Yes, you want to be able to kind of mold the behavior. Um, at the young age, it's harder to kind of put some more pressure and uh, put those dogs through kind of what we had to do. Um, but you don't want a dog that's already developed bad habits. Yeah, definitely. So I mean... Sure. That's kind of where we got the younger dogs. If you had an older dog that was just raised beautifully and wasn't taught anything, um, then that would be more prime. But mm -hmm. most of the time when you have an older dog, they've already developed some sort of habits and yeah. already bad techniques. But if, if you're not doing one were right. interested in going to you know a dog training school, you would anticipate getting a young dog. Maybe not yes, you have to I get would two anymore, but... I yeah, would recommend yeah, going ahead and um, waiting until you're at the school to get a dog and having uh, the help, uh, trainers help you kind of pick a dog and get a dog that's going to actually be able to do the uh, work that you're wanting because when you're in a position that you're learning, you don't really, it does help in the long run to kind of figure out some problem solving issues, but you don't want to be working at ground one the whole time. You want a dog that will Definitely. be able to do the program. Yeah. And be able to kind of get you through it. That way you can experience each aspect of the training while you're there. Is your graduation and going through the programs, is that based off of how well your dog performs? Yes. All of our um, grades and assignments were based on a few written tests. And we also did board and training. But the rest of it was all of our dogs. Uh, how they passed the test is how we got graded. High pressure. Yeah, very much, <laughs> especially on the trialing days. Yes. Yeah, for sure. That's you know, behavior can be a, a tricky thing, and just sometimes dogs have bad days, just like us. And I think that's the the scary but also exciting part. I think about behavior that all trainers are sort of drawn to is just sometimes the unpredictability of Absolutely. it all. Absolutely, every dog's different. Yeah, and yes. just different days, and you know, just some things don't work. So, but that sounds like a lot of different stuff to have to take your dog through and a lot of information to go through. So when you were going through school, what were some of your like favorite things? Like when you were working on it, you were just like, ah, yes, this, this is it. Yes. I loved detection while I was there. Uh, while I was uh, training, my dog was actually the fastest in my class out of about 19 people and their dogs to pass the test. And he was the first one to pass with the indication, uh, which means the dog either sat or laid down at the uh, odor, whereas the person who had passed it before me, their dog had a stare. Um, so you just kind of have to know your dog's change of behavior mm -hmm. and then alert that they uh, 
have a change of behavior, but yeah, you so that was like your strongest thing when when you were there. That yeah, was, I love and you the had detection. the most fun. Yes. with that one. Yes. What about I worked the, on that the most. The least fun part. Tracking. Tracking. Shoots and <laughs> tracking is very meticulous. Some people like that. Um, yeah. Some people like the slow kind of methodical work, but it's it was very long, and we yeah. we did a method that was. Uh, you got to run about 100 to 200 yard tracks every time and food in each footstep every time. Yeah, that's like a very long process, very tedious. And if yes. you can mess it up pretty easily, right? Oh, if you, um, our teacher's motto was if you drop one piece of kibble off the track, you need to scrap your track, <laughs> no matter how. And that's a long way. You can be 75, 100 yards in, you drop some food off of it and you don't know where it went, you can't pick it up then you better do a new track oh man i uh, yeah i could see how and anyone would be kind of frustrated <laughs> doing yeah. something like that so least favorite but overall was would you consider going to dog training school would you consider it fun at all i would say you're learning a lot and if you enjoy being with dogs and you enjoy the challenge of learning how each dog works and problem solving then yes it's very fun i enjoyed it yeah would you yes. say that it was definitely like worth the time worth the investment like everything that you learned there is something that you're going to carry with you throughout your entire career with dogs with the two instructors that i had absolutely yes but it, do you think it could have been different if you didn't have those two instructor instructors if yes you think absolutely so? yeah. and i'm i'm not going to speak too badly on any schools that i've gone to but now that they're not there, I wouldn't recommend the school. Oh, okay. Well, yes. that speaks highly of like who you learn from, especially Absolutely. just being a, a trade skill for sure. Absolutely. Okay, so you got this crazy dog. You were just like, "F it, I'm just I'm gonna learn how to do this." So you go mm -hmm. to dog training school. You go to Tom Rose, but then you're now at Tar Heel Canine. So yes. how does that segue? How does Matt Fiala from Colorado? end up in Missouri for Tom Rose and then in North Carolina for Tar Heel Canine? Yes. What's the segue there? Well, after going through Tom Rose, I realized that there's more to dog training than what I was doing. Um, and I was still interested in the police canine stuff from childhood and seeing how these dogs kind of worked. And so you're so still chasing a, a dream, chasing a mission of just like you have this ideal in your head and you're like, I'm not quite there. Exactly. Okay. Yes. I needed, I needed more training. Absolutely. I mean, and there is, there was positions where I could have just taken the knowledge that I had and started um, mm -hmm. and just started training dogs. But I realized to kind of get to the place I want to be and be the trainer that I wanted to be, I needed to learn more. And what were some of the like more specific things that you wanted to learn more? Like when you say more, what are some things that you? Um, a lot of bite work. Bite I was work. very interested in that. Uh, protection dogs, bite work, um, suit sports, which is the PSA kind of comes into that. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, very yeah. much interested in the bite work, kind of more detection. Um, I wanted my dog to kind of get more into detection. So yeah, definitely, especially if you guys were great at it and yes, it was the most fun thing that you guys were doing for sure Absolutely. so after Tar Heel Canine and going through Tom Rose what is Matt going to do next what's what's your goals what's your objectives are you just uh you know just kind of taking things as as they come what is next in the game for you 
Well, I still don't think that I kind of have the full grasp of training. So you're that still I, towards that mission. I okay. still want to keep learning. Still I don't learning. think that I'll ever stop, but I still Good. think that I need to learn some more. So yeah, um, I want to kind of learn a few different techniques on obedience. Um, I really like what I've learned from the Tom Rose um, in obedience, but I'd like to kind of expand that more to different techniques um, and get involved in a few other programs. But um, yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, that sounds awesome. I think that's, you know, a really good introduction into you. Um, but what else if, uh, you know, someone were to just be in front of you right now and they're interested in dogs, maybe it's not going to a school, but they're just training their dog at home, whatever it may be. What are some things that, that you would just want to say someone and just you know, like if I could say one thing and people would hear me, what would it be when it comes to dogs? engage with your dogs um, be a part of their uh, world don't just kind of have them be a part of yours because they're there for you I mean they really their whole world is pretty much you so I mean if you can just engage one time with your dog that will make your guys's relationship so much better and you guys will just be able to coexist better because I mean most of us that love dogs they are a part of our family Absolutely. so I mean to give them that uh, engagement and give them the attention that will solve a lot of issues that some people do have. Definitely. All, all comes back to that relationship. I like that. That's a really good answer. I like that a lot. Alrighty, guys. Well, that is everything that I have for this podcast episode. Hopefully that gains a little bit insight into our new coach here for canine performance, Matt Fiala. Uh, Matt, if people want to start getting into contact with you, do you have anything set up so far that people can start reaching out to you? Um, well, through canine performance. <laughs> um, and you can also uh, reach me through my Instagram, Matt underscore Fiala. Um, but other than that, canine performance awesome sounds great well that's all that i have for this podcast episode thank you guys so much for tuning in if you want to find us um our social media handles canine performance on instagram c-a-n-i-n-e underscore performance find us on facebook and youtube under the same name um and if you have been listening to these podcast episodes and you have gotten some little nuggets of information it's been interesting uh to you uh, please feel free to leave us a review of some things that you've really liked or want to see more of. We really appreciate those and that feedback that you give us. Um, but that's all I got. See you guys in the next one.